0: This show is part of the Thrill Me Podcast Network. Experience more on Facebook and YouTube. Welcome ghouls to the Crypt of Horror, a Haunter's Podcast special dedicated to tales from the crypt. Now here is your undead host, Mr. Wonderful. Welcome in everybody to another episode of Crypt of Horror. I am your ghoulish host, Mr. Wonderful. Happy to be back once again on our traditional schedule. Got a little off there for a while, but hey, it's okay. We're here on the Haunter's Patreon. Thank you all for being a part of that. And thank you for following us on all forms of social at Haunter's Pod on the Twitter and the Instagram, as well as Haunter's Podcast on Facebook. And thank you for constantly rating and reviewing every one of our shows, uh, giving us those five-star ratings, giving us those reviews, and helping spread the word on our fun times. Now, speaking of fun times, time to get into a little more Tales from the Crypt as we continue on Season 3, Episodes 5 and Episode 6 is what we are going to be talking about today. Uh, And these episodes, well, they certainly get a lot, a lot, a lot of heavy hitting behind them. Uh, Mentioned last week, we talked about how it was the directorial debut for one Michael J. Fox. The episode was entitled The Zemeckis Connection, and this week... Due to our first episode, I'm going to call this week's Acting, because none other than Mr. John Lovitz is going to be leading us off tonight in our first episode as he pops up June 26, 1991, episode number five from the comic source, The Vault of Horror number 39. This little ditty was titled Top Billing. To break it down, it's an unattractive and unlucky actor. Can't get a role because of his looks. His agent and girlfriend leave him. He doesn't intend to give up. He wants the role of Hamlet. Um, An episode of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures TV show. Did a bunch of Malcolm in the Middle, a couple episodes of Friends, Felicity, a lot of television over his time, and he did a lot of that prior to doing Tales from the Crypt this episode, and It's going to help guy that knows how to tell a TV story, so he's good for this anthology-style stuff. I mentioned John Lovitz is uh, one of your leads in this week's episode. Don't need to really explain who he is, and when I told you it's about an unattractive, unlucky actor, can't get roles because of his looks. Who else do you think of in the 90s other than John Lovitz? Uh, Bruce uh, Bocklitner... Uh, from Tron Tron Legacy Babylon 5 he was in this episode as well he plays uh opposite love it's a lot uh John Ashton uh Gomez Adams on the 1964 Adams family you got Lewis Fletcher in this as well yeah playing playing uh Lovitz agent nurse Ratchet is in this episode so got some it's called top billing and it's got some pretty good top billing actors uh portraying roles in this because also you know you look this is episode came out in 1991. Let's be real, John Lovitz' Saturday Night Live kind of shot up to fame because anybody who it, that, that SNL kiss, you go on SNL, you're kind of funny, you get a little following, you get a little kiss, and all of them made their way into Hollywood. And Lovitz has been a really good character actor throughout his career. Uh, and listen, it, it takes a lot for me to say nice things because later on in this episode, I I, I got I I gotta talk a little bit about it because. I have met the star of this episode once and interviewed John Lovitz. So moving into this episode, though, breaking it down for you right there. um, Opening credits, we head on down into the crypt. Crypt Keepers, uh, dressed up in a tux, kicks things off with a good evening. Culture vultures, welcome to another installment of Mash to Pieces Theater. Tonight we ask the question, to be or not to be, or in this case, An actor stuck with an average face who's so sick and tired of auditioning, he's willing to do almost anything. Did I say almost? I call this sickening saga top billing. And that is where we are introduced to an audition for desperate actor Barry Bly, played by Lovitz himself. Doesn't have the look of an actor. It's it's John freaking Lovitz, okay? It's the guy that was getting a pineapple shoved up his uh, tootie in Little Nicky. John Lovitz. All right. Uh, and he gets told constantly over and over again he doesn't have the look of an actor. His agent, same opinion, tells him she doesn't want to work with him anymore. Dumps him and tells him, move on. You're not going to be an actor. Uh, his girlfriend breaks up with him as he's getting booted from their crappy apartment. All the while, in the time that this is going down, earlier in the day, that's when he comes across Bruce. Uh Bruce's character who plays his rival, his rival Winton Robbins. And they have a little encounter after another, after his failed audition. And you get the sense that there's a tension there and you come to find out that it's because Winton Robbins, he ends up giving Barry some advice and he tells him to just get roles that he's going to get paid for. Not serious roles because it's all about money and good looks rather than acting. And, he went on to do commercials while Barry's trying to still do features and really break out as a as a serious actor again. It, it this this episode plays the John Lovitz benefit because the guy can do some stuff as an actor at times. And this really plays into that it's a perfect role for him because of how desperate the actor is so you buy into John Lovitz being desperate. I, you know, so I want to talk about Lovitz for a second in it again, because you do buy into him being desperate. You buy into him being serious. Maybe it helps a little that on SNL, he did the dramatic acting stuff with the acting. Maybe it helps that you know that he, he can commit when he wants to. And you can see you can feel the character. You can feel the fact as well that John Lovitz honestly has that look of never being the leading man. I mean, hell. Part of when I interviewed him, I talked to him about the critic because it's one of the greatest things ever. And it kind of feels like that, leaning into the, this guy is just never going to really be anything because, yeah, it it's Hollywood, man. It is all about the looks, all about the, rather than acting. Like, Lovitz can act his balls off in this episode But you're not going to look at him as the leading man. No, you want the guy that's got the blonde hair, the beautiful chin. You want the sexy. You want the sex appeal. You don't want John Lovitz. It's partly why High School High was so ridiculous. (laughs) Him and Cassandra, come on. Uh, But either way, they have their run-in. And you also find out Winton has not just taken roles. He's also gone on to do commercials and stuff like that, like I mentioned. So... Barry disagrees with him and actually tells him, you know what, I'm going to go out for this local theater production of Hamlet. I'm going to get the role of Hamlet, and I'm going to be the star because Hamlet is actual acting. You have to study for this. So he goes over to the theater, and Winton is outside because he just wants to get ahead of Barry again and prove that it doesn't matter. As long as you got the looks, you're going to get the part. And they go in, meet the director, played by John Astin, Gomez Adams here, and he's an eccentric uh, director just over the top. You see the kid that's trying to be Hamlet is is afraid to kiss the, the fake skull and all this stuff, and he's just not really putting on a good performance, and he's losing his mind, tells him to get out of there, starts yelling at everybody, and Lovitz is like, this is the type of director I like, and Winton is all like, this guy's a little eccentric. So he's like, "I need to find my part. Has have you found me my guys yet?" And the guy who welcomed them in like the stage director is like, "Yeah, these two are here for the for the opening, for the role." And he's like, "Ah, oh, perfect." And meet me in my office and they go into like a little closet and they don't even read lines. He looks at both of them. He starts explaining what he's looking for, and then looks back at Winton and goes, "Your face, that's what I need. Your jawline, you're this, you're that." And Winton gets the part, which completely sets Barry off because Winton is like, hey, I told you, you don't really need to be an actor to get the roles here in Hollywood. Just take the roles that are going to pay, Barry. Stop trying to be a serious actor. I'm always going to beat you. And Barry is now struck up. He's raged, he's pissed. So he decides he's going to go and kill Winton. And. It's a callback to the open because Barry's attempt to be in a feature film was as a strangler. So you see his audition to be a strangler in this in this serial killer movie, you assume. So he goes back to kind of that and he's got the rope and he's walking up behind him and Winton starts kind of talking to him and he's like, listen, I'm sorry I did this. And is apologizing and all that stuff. And, And starts off well intentioned and it's making Barry. He's double thinking it. He's not really sure he's now going to kill him. But then Winton, with his costume on, sitting there getting ready for his 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 part in the play to start the rehearsal and all that. Um, He's sitting there and all of a sudden the well-intentioned stuff turns a little bit into kind of poking the bear a little bit more. No pun intended with it being John Lovitz and he looks like a little tiny bear. Like a little yogi bear. Yeah. Um... <laughs> weird episode guys sorry it's been a long day uh but (laughs) the poking eventually now sets Barry back into the okay yeah I'm here to kill you but right before he kills him Winton pulls out the tag for the costume for the character out of the back of his out of the back of his shirt and he's a little confused he's like huh what and Barry kills him and decides, well, I'll just throw the body into this little hamper, throw some clothes on top of it, it's okay, but while he does that, you hear the phone ringing often in an office right behind him. He goes, he looks, you see somebody just kind of sitting there and ignoring the phone ringing. Think nothing of it. The office is just, somebody's ignoring the calls at the front office. So, Barry goes back out, and he's like, hey, Winton left, I guess I'm your guy, and the director, very upset these I, I really I don't know what to do but all right I guess I guess we can rearrange this role for you and Lovitz is all excited he's got the role of of Hamlet he's gonna he's gonna get to do his Shakespeare even though he killed Winton and all that great stuff and that's when he then goes into his room he puts on his costume and in comes the director in comes the kid from the beginning in comes the casting director and they're and he's like I'm all ready and I'm ready to be Hamlet and they're like oh you're not playing Hamlet and the kid from the beginning is all confused cuz he's like wait I thought I was Hamlet and the- Gomez Adams is like yeah you're Hamlet no 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 you're 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 not playing Hamlet oh no 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 you're going to be playing Yorick and Yorick of course obviously is the skull that Hamlet kisses, and that's when Lovitz is like, no, 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 no. Yorick's been dead for like 20 years before this play. What are you talking about? And that's when you come to realize that they're all insane and they're going to kill him, and you're like, wait, what the hell? Huh? And they pull out an axe, and Lovitz takes off running and gets to that office area and proceeds to open up the office door, get in there, and that's where you find out that the casting theater production company is actually the local mental asylum. The phone call that was being ignored is because these are all the escaped mental patients that have killed everybody. They killed the person at the front desk because Lovitz answers the phone, and it's like, oh, thank God somebody's there. We've been trying to contact you for days. What's going on over there? And he's screaming and drops the phone because in walks everybody again and they pick up the ax and they cut off his head. And that's where we then cut to the stage where we see his skull because they tore his face off of his skull. So you see the bloody disgusting skull of John Lovitz as it gets kicked kissed. Uh, and the Yorick speech is happening and they're, playing out the play and the kid is now who was doing Hamlet and was all timid earlier is just fine with kissing this bloody skull of Mr. John Lovitz. And we cut over to the director who's like, this might be my finest work ever. And you know what? The kid was right for the role. I guess in the end, it doesn't really matter. It's all about the right person kind of pointing out that little hypocrisy of sometimes it is best to just go with the right actor instead of the sex appeal for certain movies and certain roles. Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise, uh, mummy, mummy, that's for you, Rob. Uh, so yeah, uh, we then cut to the outside where we see the cops arriving because obviously the murder of Mr. John Lovitz happened while the phone was off the hook. So they heard it on the other end. The cops make reference to it. The last thing they heard was 20 minutes ago, somebody screaming, And you see outside in the dumpster is the skin face without the skull of one John Lovitz. And it's just laying there and then eventually a cat comes and takes it away. (laughs) Yeah, so it ends on kind of a joke as well. Which then takes us back into the Crypt Keeper who goes, bravo, encore. Well, Barry axed for the part and he got it. But typical Barry, they still couldn't use his face It's just as, well, the critics would have cut him to pieces. I'm calling my agent. I've waited all my death to play the part of Yorick. So until next time, kiddies. Hello. I'd like to speak with my agent. What do you mean he's in a beating? (laughs) And then cut out and the episode is over. Uh, But overall, I love this episode. I actually forgot the twist of this episode which makes it even better. I know we just went through this, and if you haven't ever seen it, and then you go and you watch it on like YouTube, because pretty sure all these episodes are available on YouTube, by the way, now that I've given you the entire episode. But it is a great episode. It really does put together a stellar cast. Uh, the one little piece of trivia I got for you for this episode is the John Lovitz, Lewis Fletcher, Nurse Na- Ratchet where they would later go co-star in a movie I referenced earlier, High School High, in 1996. So they got to work together for a little bit on this for just like a split second, but eventually go on to do... And and I'm joking High School High, but I actually liked High School High, and I brought that up with John Lovitz when I got to interview him. But my story on John Lovitz really quickly... Because overall, I really do like this episode. It is driven by the actors. Lovitz is perfectly cast... Uh, Bruce is perfect. John is perfect. Louis Louise Fletcher is perfect. Like it is top billing all in all. This is one of my personal favorites. And forgetting the twist there at the ending as well made it an even better rewatch uh, of an episode. and it's it's well crafted as well. Like I mentioned the director Todd Holland. he did a lot of television. So it's crafted as a perfect twenty eight, you know, thirty minute. Piece of television for you to view, but uh, yeah, into the John Lovitz thing. When I got to interview John Lovitz, guy is a bit of a prick. Just gonna put it out there, bit of a prick. But I actually pulled him back around in the interview because he like wanted nothing to do with it, and I think I still have access to this interview in like one of my SoundClouds. So I might share it one day as a throwback Thursday on our haunters page somewhere. Maybe, maybe drop it on the Patreon for you guys. Like the, at least at the $1 tier, just shock everybody with a special of it. But you can hear in the interview as well, he is so uninterested at the start. And then I quickly turn it with the critic, a, a question about that show. And could it come back at Netflix? Because it's one of my favorites. And talking to him about mom and dad saved the world. And you could hear the turn in his voice where it was one of those where when he walked into the building before he even got to me, everybody was like, John Lovitz is in a mood. Good luck. And by the time he left, everybody that was there was like, what did you do? And I just told him I worked my magic. I was wonderful. And honestly, I was just a fan of his. But yeah, that, that interview kind of shaped my opinion of him, though, because he did come in guns ablaze and prick. And I had to really work him over. And I do enjoy that interview because it was a good conversation with him. So I hope I do still have it hidden on like a, not even hidden, but out somewhere in public on a SoundCloud to share for you all. Because I will. Uh, That takes us into our next episode called Dead Weight. Episode 6. This one debuted July 3rd of 1991. It was from The Vault of Horror, number 23. And... We get Texas Chainsaw Massacre alum and director Toby Hooper coming in to direct this one. That stars James Reamer, who you know from Tales from the Dark Side. Also, he was the second Raiden, Mortal Kombat Annihilation Raiden. You get Vanity. Yes, that was her name. Uh, if you don't know who I'm talking about, that was a Canadian model, lead singer of the all-girl groove Vanity 6. She also starred in Action Jackson. You got John Rise Davies. Raiders of the Lost Ark, Lord of the Rings. Come on, man. Again, like I said, this week is just acting. Because not only is the cast already really strong right there, but then we add one Whoopi Goldberg. And this is coming off of the color purple, Ghost. Sister Act is coming up. Like This is Whoopi, man. This is Whoopi. She a big name, so you get a big-time director, a big-time star in Whoopi Goldberg as well, and coming right out, gonna say it, this is an episode that I very much like because it deals with the things that I think Tales from the Crypt does really well, and Toby Hooper is the perfect director for this episode because it needs to go a certain level of gore, and this episode's title is Dead Weight, and to break it down a little bit before we get into the opening of The Crypt Keeper, it's about a guy, Red Buckley, he's a natural redhead in search of one-of-a-kind black pearl, gets a job on a plantation owned by Mr. Duval, where the pearl is said to be shown to his room. Duval's home by Pellegree. he finds a ram head behind the door, she says it's there for his protection, he demands it be removed. Tells him he doesn't know anything about anything and is pretty dumb. After spending the night with the ball's girlfriend, Catherine, they decide to become partners in stealing the pearl, waking up to find a dying chicken in his bed. He uh Pellegris warns him that Catherine's dangerous. Is she or is Pellegree the dangerous one? Will he get the Pearl? So this one again, uh it plays out like a like a heist. It plays out as a heist film, but it's also a voodoo film. And it's also one of those typical tales from the crypt. Uh, not PC anymore. <laughs> like Whoopi's character is clearly playing the voodoo priestess character of the is she or isn't she is she the good voodoo priestess is she a bad voodoo priestess and playing up a little bit on that stuff and the and the stereotypes of it because for the most part this is the early nineties man stuff is not PC I'm not going to try and cancel Tales from the Crypt because of this. It's the way things were. I understand that. I'm happy that they're not this bad anymore. Still not great, but they're not like this. So either way, this is one of those voodoo priestess episodes, and it deals with a lot of so a lot of stuff is happening within this episode. But going into it, we get into the opening sequence where Crypt Keeper takes us in and says, Welcome aboard, Fright Sirs. Looking for a little holiday fun? You've come to the right place. We specialize in all sorts of hackage tours. So what will it be? A few days in a scream park? Or would you like me to book you into a nice quiet dead and breakfast? Or perhaps you'd like to go to or perhaps you'd like to go treasure hunt haunting. I'm fucking up the jokes. Like my friend Red, he wants to steal a priceless black pearl and a tasteless tidbit. I call dead weight. And like I said, we get into it where Red Buckley, he kills his other partner. You find out he's a big chess player. But this is a fun episode because it does, as I mentioned, the last episode comes down to John Lovitz being perfectly cast in top billing and then the surrounding cast and having a TV director for it. This episode, Dead Weight, 100% is a must-see because of the Toby Hooper connection. Because getting him in there to direct a short anthology film is a brilliant idea. And he's a great director to begin with. But he gets some fantastic direction out of James Reamer. Who really sells the reg character. Commits to it. Vanity is great in this as well. As a little bit of a femme fatale. Is she? Isn't she? Uh, Catherine the girlfriend of Mr. Duvall. Who's played by legendary actor John Rice Davies? Like you have a great cast. And then on top of that, Whoopi Goldberg is essentially your your guest star of the episode. Like you would think the other three, the other three are the leads, and Whoopi just kind of pops in and out. Like I mentioned, she she you're introduced to her. Well into the episode, you're like second act of this episode, you're getting introduced to her character and you see her character for all of the, let me show you to your room after you've now convinced Catherine and Mr. Duvall that you're worthy, uh, Red Buckley of coming to his plantation and working for him and, and all this stuff. And you, you BS your way into this because you plan on stealing this, this black pearl. And I love that. I love the heist aspect of it. I love the chess portion of it. And this isn't like a Queen's Gambit thing. I liked chess before it was cool, thanks to Netflix. So seeing an episode in the early 90s play that like, yeah, I'm a chess player. And I'm playing the chess game of life right now. And I'm playing the chess game to rob you of your black pearl. Like, It's a fun thing to watch because it's playing out like a crime, like a heist, a heist film, a a little gangster heist film here. And that's what the film, that's what this episode is before it transitions into that. Now we're introduced to Whoopi's character. Now we're becoming this a little more supernatural play. Now we see Red seducing Catherine because he needs a partner in crime because the only way he can get that pearl is by by getting the alarm set off and she's the closest thing to have access to turn the alarm off otherwise he's gonna get caught so let's split this and do our thing and have sex in the process because it's Tales from the Crypt gotta have a little sexy time in there you know why not Uh, tasteful as well because you know again you got a big time director coming in and doing his thing this guy did Texas Chainsaw Massacre so you get a little tasteful sexy time Um, and just then reintroduced to Whoopi's character, though, like all in all, really, I want to say Whoopi's character's on screen for probably like four or five minutes of this episode, if even that. So again, it's not really her episode, but there she is. Uh, but I love the ending to this. So the whole buildup eventually gets to, it's a double cross, of course. And Catherine is actually somebody he should be fearing because, Red is able to like he confronts Mr. Duvall who's like hey I want you and Catherine to go I'm gonna die because there's this weird like and this is where Toby Hooper really comes into play because there's like this weird disease where with worms that once you contact it they like spread throughout your body and kill you from the inside out and it's it it just gets eventually to the gore aspect of things where having that director that knows how to do it and do it properly and not overdo it and do it just right gives to gives to us in this episode. So you get a moment where after Reg confronts Mr. Duvall, he wants the black pearl, cause Duvall's like, Hey, I'm gonna die anyway, so take my take my girlfriend, go off, take money, get out of here. Revolution's coming. I'm going to get killed because I'm the leader and I'm going to take my money, run somewhere else and live it out until I die from this worm disease. But obviously Red wants the Black Pearl. Mr. Duvall tells him that even if he could give it to him, he can't he can't get his hands on it right now. So Red eventually is like, you know what? Screw this. I'm just going to kill you. Shoots him dead. That's when Catherine comes in and is like, what do we do now? And he's like, he said he couldn't give it to me, so I got to cut him open. And that's where it gets gory because that's where it gets fun. That's where the Toby Hooper comes into play where he then takes his knife that he kind of had the little indicator on like an act earlier that, oh, he's got it. There was no real reason to show it other than right now he's going to use it to cut open Mr. DeBall So he cuts him open even though he's got the worm thing and he's got worms inside and he's digging through the worms in his heart. And, and his trying to get to his stomach and then cuts a piece of his stomach off and gets the Black Pearl. And that's when Catherine is like, all right, double cross time, femme fatale shit, baby. So now it's also film noir style storyline. So again, it's, it's multiple different storylines in this episode, which makes me really enjoy this one a lot. And that's when Whoopi comes back in and is like, I told you she can't be trusted. And voodoo's her to death, just stabs her voodoo doll right through the chest Kills Catherine. Uh, that's when he's like, all right, well, I got the black pearl. This is everything I need. And she's like, all right, well, I'll hope you get out of here in one piece. Let's go. And Whoopi starts leading him off the plantation. And they're getting away from all the gunfire and this revolution. Because that was kind of the backstory story as well. There was always this revolution beyond the walls of Mr. Duvall's plantation. And it's moving closer. Will it get closer? No, no, no. And then eventually it did get too close where that's what led to the boiling point of this episode of everybody's got to run now because the wall is going to be overthrown eventually, probably within hours. So Whoopi's leading them out and they're having the conversation about the black pearl. And he's like, and that's when red's like, it's really more about the respect. Cause there were a lot of people that wanted to steal this and get their hands on this and never did. And I'm able to, it's not really about the money. It was more really, honestly, the respect and, Whoopi reminds him, you know, like, oh, well, hey, I told you your red hair really mattered and it did because redheads matter and all this good stuff. And by the way, I pretty much led you to my death because that's when Red is like, hey, what what are all those lights down there? And you realize that Whoopi led him to her village. And she proceeds to pick up a machete and cut Red's head off and you get a great, piece of early 90s like the reaction and then the cut to oh and here's now the body we're cutting the head off of so that real reaction into that fake oh there's the dummy and the head gets cut off it flies you get a little bit of blood then you get the dummy head of red and Whoopi walks off to her village with his red headed head uh, circling it back around to when she first met him and told him about his red hair mattering which I know I kind of glossed over in the earlier portion of it, but whatever. Um, But again, love this episode. I love the different styles of this episode, which then takes us into our closing, which she's the Crypt Keeper. Oh, talk about being head of at the pass. Yeah, <laughs> we've got a guest, kitties. Whoopi, it's a pleasure to meet you. And Whoopi Goldberg actually shows up, and this is where she actually does, She, I think she has as much time in the closing as she does in the episode. Because Whoopi and the Crypt Keeper have a whole back and forth where after introducing her, he's like, I want you to know that I loved your movie, The Killer Purple. She corrects him with Color Purple. Then he congratulates her on winning that again. Academy, a oh, weird. She corrects him. It's Academy Award. He then is like, whatever. Look, it's pleasure to meet a big star like you. And she talks him and tells him that he's kind of a big star as well, and would love to have him in her next film. Crib keeper is flattered as she pulls out a machete, tells him it's a big, it's a bit part. He's even more flattered. Uh, and she reveals, but you don't know what bit I want. To which Crypt Keeper quips right back, well, as long as I don't end up on the cutting room floor. And she points the machete at the Crypt Keeper and says, okay, and then winks at the camera, and we, Danny Elfman, music out. Diddle-do, diddle-do, diddle-do. Told you a weird episode. I don't know why I just incorporated some Wayne's World into that, but that's uh that's Danny Elfman. So we're out, and uh, yeah, that's episode number six of Tales from the Crypt, Season 3, Deadweight, Toby Hooper, Tales from the Crypt, must-see. So two must-sees this week in my book, definitely not just like the, hey, check it out, these are the, go find them, go watch them, go treat yourself to some top billing, some acting with Mr. John Lovett, and then... Tap it off and cap off that nightcap right there with a little dead weight, a Toby Hooper. uh, Wonderfully directed, paced, put together Tales from the Crypt episode. That is really fun and also has Mortal Kombat Annihilation Raiden. Hello. Just saying. Thank you guys so much for hanging out this week. We'll be back next month. Dive into a little more Tales from the Crypt, season three, where we get into episode seven and episode eight. And I got no other tease other than come back, kitties, because it's bound to get weirder and it's bound to get much more star-studded. Because guess what? That's what happens when you get into a third season of a show that has the Zemeckis effect. Taking us back to last week. Take care, kitties. <laughs>